part of my brain operates on success and like trying to push ahead and make things bigger, I meditate every day on how to keep it small because enough is enough. Like we don't need to have mm-hmm. these huge houses mm-hmm. and these huge lives. If anything, I'm trying to make my life smaller and smaller and more meaningful wow. as I get towards the end and think if I have less stuff, I can give more of myself. Hello and welcome to What's Underneath, the podcast that will inspire self-acceptance through empowering you to embrace what's unrepeatable in you. I'm Lily Mandelbaum and sitting next to me is my mom, Elisa Goodkind. And we are Style Like You. In our podcast, we expand the types of intimate conversations we've been having in our video series, The What's Underneath Project. Each week, we bring you interviews with diverse nonconformists about their relationship to style, self-image, and identity. Being radically honest without shame and holding that honesty with compassion is self-acceptance. If you fall in love with our guests as much as we do, you can see them in their full self-expression on our YouTube channel and Instagram using the handle at style like you. And if our stories open your eyes or are transformative on your own journey towards acceptance, please consider becoming a member of Style Like You on Patreon so that we can continue creating a world where everyone feels comfortable and safe in their skin. To support our work, head over to patreon.com slash style like you. Thank you to Fat in the Moon for supporting this episode of What's Underneath. Fat in the Moon makes handcrafted herbal body care for radical beings of all body types, backgrounds, races, and genders. With products ranging from deodorant to makeup to herbal remedies for the most intimate of issues, Fat in the Moon promotes self-care and self-love. If you want to try Fat in the Moon's plant potions of self-care, they are offering What's Underneath listeners 20% off their products by heading over to fatinthemoon.com and entering the coupon code STYLE. That's fatinthemoon.com with the coupon code STYLE for 20% off your order. So, Mama. Yes, Lils. Who are we here with today? So, we're here in Santa Ana, California, with Amy Young, who's the designer and founder of Orenda Tribe, which is a line of reimagined vintage and upcycled textiles. Walking into her space is like suddenly being lifted on a magic carpet ride because her this room and where we're sitting is just filled with the most gorgeous textiles and and clothing that's made from these old and beautiful and handmade textiles. And it's just so incredibly rare. Um, and I know that I'm personally so deeply hungry um, to have this sort of visual endorphin rush that happens very rarely anymore in the world of corporate chain stores and sneaker stores and t-shirt stores. So, you know, I feel blessed and I feel like Style Like You is stepping into yet another chapter of its path in the most perfect way by walking into Amy's world. (laughs) So thank you, Amy. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Welcome. So how are you feeling today? (sighs) I'm feeling so incredibly thankful. I woke up just feeling just so thankful for all the love in my life, Mm. all the experience, my kid, you know, she was here this morning. So yeah, it's just one of those days. And it's so funny. It's like the rain comes and makes everything slow down. Mm -hmm. So it's like one of those perfect days just to simmer in it and really, you know, just get cozy and really appreciate what we have. Do you wake up feeling that way like often or is this a rare feeling? Uh, I think I definitely feel like that 
Pretty much every morning, but I also wake up with this huge, incredible, um, can't wait to get started because I love what I do so much. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I didn't used to feel like that when I worked for corporate companies and in what I would call the fashion world. Mm -hmm. Um, But since I've stepped out and I guess really feel like I'm living more an authentic life at this point, um, every day, actually every night when I go to bed, I think about like the next day. And then I can't wait to get up in the morning to have my coffee and just like do whatever I want, really just create. And I've never had that uh, freedom. I've never given myself that freedom because I always put so many other things in front of that. And there was all the reasons like not to be this. But, you know, I definitely had a breakthrough and I feel like now's my authentic self. I want to circle back to everything that you just said. But before Mm -hmm. we do, can you talk... A little bit about what your style says about you. My style. I guess I'm probably more Mm -hmm. (laughs) anti-style. I think at this age, um, I would be considered an elder of my tribe. And I feel How old are you? I'm 55 this year. So I kind of feel like after passing through menopause and reaching this point where every day is not being kind of driven by like things in my body, I feel like I have this amazing clarity I guess it would be elder wisdom, but like as far as what I want to dress, it just, it's very clear to me what I want to put out there. And it's something that's absolutely easy, comfortable, colorful, makes me happy. Um, Always something that's old. We, as a family, we stopped buying new things when Lily was maybe 10 or 11 years old. Lily's your daughter? Yeah, my baby. Why did you Why did you do that? I mean, I realized that there's things going on that are going to affect my kid, and I needed to be part of the solution. So part of that was to stop being this crazy, eat everything till the last drop consumer. Uh, we started being more thoughtful about what we brought into our home, whether it's the amount of waste we generate, certainly the brands we buy from. And based on my background working in the apparel industry, I knew the dirty side of that. I knew exactly where this stuff was coming from, how we were taking advantage of other countries, um, peoples. So for me to actually buy things that are old, um, it's soulful. There's an energy when you walk into Forever 21 where you're almost repulsed by the smell and the, the touching the fabrics and the clothes. And you walk into a vintage store or an antique dealer And like, you just feel like you came home. So that's really what we do is curate those soulful treasures that are out there. And I, you know, as a Virgo, there's nothing I love better than to to buy the broken one or the one that just needs the love and attention and bring it back to life. So we do buy a lot of things that we restore and just, or we reimagine them. Um, A lot of our vintage right now is... 70s, 80s uh, military. So I love the idea of removing all the color and then infusing it back in and really just giving these pieces a new life. My experience dittos yours in that I I have slowly over time stopped buying anything new. Yeah, that's wonderful. And was also in the fashion industry before doing this previous, you know, we started about 10 years ago, but before that and mm-hmm. was so utterly repulsed and disillusioned Mm -hmm. from the side point of view of being a fashion stylist and media, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was the correlating to your experience as a designer or what you were doing. As a designer, I was, I was an activewear designer, um, brand builder, 
profit maker, you know, just all about the money. It was always about the money. And it started feeling incredibly hollow because here I am a mom raising a little, you know, soft, gorgeous 10-year-old and trying to teach her how to be a good citizen in the world. Yet I was designing for Walmart or Target or these brands. So I just had kind of a come to Jesus moment where I, I need to jump ship. I need to show her and not just talk about it. And so that's how Arenda Tribe started when we first started doing Upcycled and I shifted more into sustainable design. And, you know, really that's, that's my biggest issue right now with fashion. It just, it doesn't feel real. It feels hollow. It doesn't have any soulfulness. It feels like, even for me now, I, I think back of when I used to have to design according to timelines and we'd be working a year and a half mm-hmm. in advance. I mean, that's crazy. Like I, I literally, like yesterday, I dropped off some really beautiful pieces to be dyed in the pink that's happening at Desert X because that's right now. That's something and that's something that I only might make 25 of something, but those 25 pieces are going to go to people that just, it makes them so happy when we operate this way. And I, I think a big part of my my problem right now is like, you know, I was always kind of part of my brain operates on success and like trying to push ahead and make things bigger. I meditate every day on how to keep it small because enough is enough. Like we don't need to have mm-hmm. these huge houses mm-hmm. and these huge lives. If anything, I'm trying to make my life smaller and smaller and more meaningful wow. as I get towards the end and think if I have less stuff, I can give more of myself, right? Yes, I, I completely hear what you're saying. And I think that, that that's totally <laughs> true of the fashion industry and and how gr- the, the insane amount of greed that yeah. really has created its demise. I mean, yeah. it's taken all of the soul out of it. And just from someone who loves clothing and mm-hmm. loves getting dressed every day, it's pr- my number one medicine, really. Yeah. Um, aside from meditation, probably, is... Um, you know, is getting dressed every day and the joy of that self-expression. It's fascinating to hear what you're saying because I just keep saying to myself, somebody is going to do something authentic. Somebody mm-hmm. is going to do something one of a kind. That is one of the main things that guides me. And and even like when, you know, other younger designers have asked me for advice, I'm like, sit down and write what really makes you different from everybody else. Not like fitting in, you know, not being part of a trend or not being part of these trend services or these things we're supposed to do. Write down and talk about what makes you different, what makes you authentic and focus on that. You know, when I had to do that exercise, I actually had to do it when I built my uh, website. I had to sit down and really think about what I wanted to say with my story and I kept coming back to the fact that it was my uh, indigenous background. I mean, that's what's kind of led me home Mm -hmm. is that soul journey of coming full circle to where I came from. You know, I was adopted out at birth, so I never got to grow up on the reservation. So I'm coming back very late in life, but it's the perfect time Mm -hmm. because I've had this career where I have learned how to market, create brands, how to be successful. But imagine if I can apply all that skill set to the people that need it the most. So it's all happening and I'm coming back for that reason. But I go out there and there's just... Out where, just to be clear. Oh, out. It's the Navajo Reservation um, 
the northwest corner of New Mexico, there's mm-hmm. an area called the Bistai. It's the Bistai Wilderness Area mm-hmm. near Chaco Canyon. Mm-hmm. It's where my mother was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was also displaced at a very young age through the boarding school system at the time and also through Indian relocation. So uh, when I was born, I was adopted out by a wonderful family and grew up in Indiana and very privileged upbringing compared to all of my relatives that I've met. Mm-hmm. You know, went to college, never had to worry about anything, not about food, not about care. Like I had this wonderful, loving home. But I go back now and I see um, just from my standpoint, the social injustice of what's going on between how we live here, the privileges we have here. And this is the United States of America, but it's an Indian reservation. Mm -hmm. And just this huge lack of opportunity granted Mm -hmm. to anyone that lives there. And so... Like through this process, I just feel like I found what I was meant to do. Like that's what we're all trying to find, Mm -hmm. right? Is like, why are we put here on earth? And we go through all these wonderful chapters of, you know, I don't know, when we were both in fashion, that was a fantastic time. And then we kind of got, we got, it was a free time at that time. time. And it was moms, you know, and then that was like, you know, look at, look at this, you know? You created this beautiful being and you get to watch them grow up and become the next thing. Right. So for me now, I think, okay, what is this final chapter? It's definitely about service. It's it's about something that's not about me. It's about what can I do? Because I'm just, I'm absolutely just devastated by what I see out there. Mm. And I see the lack of, I see the lack of the government doing anything. I see really just... Um, just a lot of social injustice, um, poverty, like I've never seen before that I had no idea was happening right here in the United States, um, two hours from Santa Fe, one of the wealthiest communities. I can drive and be someplace where people don't have water, they don't have electricity, and they're burning cold to keep warm right now. Um, they may not have enough food. Their kids may not have enough food. My last trip out there, we actually started a food fund for some kids that leave the boarding school on the weekends and actually don't eat again until the following Monday. So that was part of our funding where we took the GoFundMe money and actually gave it to a Todelino Food Bank so those kids can go home with non-perishable food and actually eat. So these are things that, like, you know, I'm committed to long-term. I Hopefully I'll live 20 more years so I can crush it and, like, really do a lot of things to make change. Or 30 or 40. 30 or 40 would be good. Yeah, 20 is fun. 25 is good. We'll say 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 20, I can get mm-hmm. a lot of shit done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's the plan. And that's my next chapter. And I cannot, like, I love living in Santa Ana. It's been a wonderful place to be located because my daughter's going to a uh, really beautiful creative school here. It's close to downtown LA. But for me, like, my heart's already out there because I've taken so many trips and just see so many areas um, as a maker, as a doer, as a brand builder, things I can do to actually make stuff happen. That's a big part of our monthly cycle is if we hit our sales numbers, and again, when I say enough's enough, I have a very specific goal I try to reach to make sure I can take care of my family, have everything good here. But if I hit that point by week two or week three, our week four is spent on the Navajo reservation in service and it's the time you know I've been asked a lot in interviews like what percent does your company give back like what percent do you give back to you know the Native American causes you're so passionate about and I'm like that's kind of a 
you know, it's like a marketing question. Like what percent is enough? For me, it's like a hundred percent if I can, and that's what I focus on. But it's not like we're going to use it as a marketing scheme to get you to buy our product. You know, I'm just going to nicely say probably the third week, hey guys, I'm on the reservation. I'll ship your product in a week. And everybody's been so wonderfully supportive of that because they see the work we're doing. Mm -hmm. What are assumptions that people make about you now and in your past, even growing up, Mm -hmm. um, based on your style now, let's say. And then next question (laughs) is based on your appearance. Now, I think they probably think I'm lesbian just because I have an undercut and I wear like flight suits and I don't wear a lot of makeup. And it's the strangest thing for me. Not that I have any issue with being fluid, but that's like an immediate reaction just because I present myself in a stronger way. People come into my booth and they'll try on the flight suits or they'll try on things that are a little bit stronger pieces or even like some of our chinchero hats that are just like powerful mm. women. Just I noticed like they those. rock They're those beautiful. things. And they'll ask their husband or their boyfriend of like, well, what do you think? And the boyfriend will say no, and they don't buy it. And it's just like they were so happy in that moment when they had it on. It just like, it just breaks my heart a little bit, these conceptions Mm. we have Mm -hmm. about how we're supposed to present ourselves. Even for me, like letting my hair go gray, like all of my friends, you know, had been dyeing their hair and they were trying to fit into a like more youthful like image. And I literally couldn't stand the smell of the chemicals on my body. I was just like, this is like just stupid. And I'm meant to be this way. You know, why would I try to change that if this is a process my body is supposed to go through? Like, I just want to embrace it. So I got Mm -hmm. to watch this amazing science project of my hair turning crazy colors of salt and pepper. And I would literally have people come up to me at shows and say, like, like, how did you, how did you do your hair? Like, how did that happen? Like, I was like, it's like that naturally. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I think they don't see that much of it in mm-hmm. women my age. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's what I love my hair this way. I mm-hmm. love being 55. I love feeling like there's no definition of what that should mean. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I might completely change this whole look every six months or every three months or whatever. But like, I just don't give a fuck anymore what people think. I just don't. Was there a time that you did give a fuck? Probably, I would say when I was a self-involved fashionista in my 20s and early 30s, when I was just totally in, I was just an idiot back then. I was like creative director of Puma and I was living in Germany and traveling the world and like in charge of like a team of people. And I thought all those things were going to make me happy. And as I got further and further along in it, I got more and more unhappy, which is the classic symptoms of lacking any sort of soulfulness or like reflection mm-hmm. interior. So I had Can taken, you, oh, go, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. I had taken, it was like, oh, I forgot what year it was. We went to Morocco with, I went with two friends from Paris and we were just driving around in this little Fiat and we ended up in Wazazat and it was New Year's Eve. We were out in the desert having, they were making us some little beautiful Moroccan stew And I just had this feeling like I just need to quit. I just need to get out of this. And I don't know where it came from. It was just a very clear message from the universe, maybe because I had eliminated all the noise around me and I was in the middle of a desert, like literally Mm -hmm. the middle of like the desert with two friends. And I just thought like I need to quit. So at the height of my career, I went back and resigned from my job just thinking I'll figure it out. This was in your early 30s? This was when I was 32. 
maybe 33. Your daughter wasn't born yet, right? No. And that like literally like four months later, I met her father. Oh. And like, bam, as soon as I had my little unicorn child, it's like everything opened up and I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I see the light. It's, it's really not about me anymore. It's about her. Mm-hmm. And whenever you have that joyfulness, it's like everything in my life came together because of my baby. And she and I have like 18 years together now. And it's just like, it just keeps getting better and better. So I know that that was like, I'm just so grateful. I woke up, to, I'm going to cry. So, so <laughs> grateful this morning because like, it's not Mother's Day. It's a day for love. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's who I, that's who I woke up and thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's Valentine's Day for yeah, those of you who are listening to this later than yeah. all of you who are listening to this later than Valentine's yeah. Day. <laughs> so she's the gift. Mm-hmm. When you're part of something just bigger than yourself. Yeah. You're happy. Like it's, it, it, it makes you so happy to give. Being, giving makes and, and caring about things other than yourself makes you happy and just caring oh, about yourself makes you miserable. Absolutely. That wasn't the end of your fashion career because oh. then you went back, no, right? I came back. So I came back and I actually started working in um, still in activewear, but in a different way because I couldn't take the big corporate jobs. I couldn't travel like crazy the way it was mm-hmm. um, needed at that time. So um, I actually ended up um, starting my consulting business when Lily was I don't know, seven years old, because I felt so guilty being that mom that was always the last one to pick her up from like, like school. I was always the mom rushing around trying to get there on time. And I just thought, you know, screw it. I'm just going to start my own consulting business. Mm -hmm. So I had started that in, uh, gosh, if she's 18 now, that's 11 years ago, and was just working for all different types of clients at the same time Mm -hmm. and actually shifting over to more made in L.A., Mm-hmm. So that's really where you saw, slowly saw the shift from doing things overseas. And I started bringing it back here and focusing on sustainable fashion. So that was a wonderful time because it allowed me to work from home, mm-hmm. be with my baby when she was growing up, but still, you know, be able to make a living. Mm-hmm. How, what was it like growing up in Indiana yeah. and being Native American? It was wonderful. I would say I had I never had any... Um, issues with being a darker shade than a lot of people I went to school with. Um, But I also like missed out on a whole part of my culture growing up. So I'm feeling that more now, that lack of opportunity to have gone through the ceremony and to have learned more about my culture. And because I was so far from where my tribe is, my parents, you know, they bought me things and they were so loving and always I always knew. It wasn't like they told me a different story. I always knew and they were always open about that. But still like I just I I just didn't have that connection to the culture back then. Did they like what was their story of how they as far as how they found you and and They that? just love children. They have sponsored children their whole life. They've helped out children all over the world and then they adopted two and they have one of their own but they just love kids. They mm-hmm. love their grandbabies. So just really incredibly special humans. So you had one other adopt, like another mm-hmm. adopted sister. sister. Yeah. Also and Native then, American? No, not Native American. But I have, then later in life, I met my birth mother and oh. I met my half siblings. So like kind of fast forward to my late 30s and I found out I actually have two half sisters and a half brother that happened after me. So after being the youngest child in my family, then I became the oldest child in, in um, my birth family. 
What was that? Yeah. And what was it like throughout your childhood as far as like thinking about or wondering about your birth family and... It's always a curiosity. I Mm -hmm. think that uh, that was probably possibly my driving thing of trying to succeed so hard, like to kind of fit in because I never really fit in wherever I was. I mean, I didn't look like my parents. I didn't look like my siblings. I didn't look like anyone in my town. So there was always that feeling that I was a little bit of a imposter. I kind of broke out of that, obviously, when I got to New York and went to art school. But like, there's always that curiosity of where do you come from? Mm -hmm. Because when you can look at your family and you see they look like you and they sound like you and their hands are the same, they have same mannerisms. I just found that there was this incredible um, calmness that came over me. It's like, I just felt like more comfortable and I didn't feel like this weird urge to have to try to push so hard because once I had, you met them, once I met them. Yeah. It was kind of like just a whole shift in my DNA. I think that happened just because I just kind of sunk in. I was mm-hmm. okay. And it just eliminated all that curiosity because I knew where I came from. How, what, what did not feeling that ease and okay look like when you were younger? Um, definitely uh, a shyness, uh, probably overusing alcohol. Because I think for me, like a lot of times when I feel discomfort or that uneasiness of where I was brought up and where I lived, like that was my solution to numb that a little bit to kind of fit into the situation. Um, But through meeting my birth family and actually doing more like expansive reach to more and more family and find out more about my history. There's just this incredible calmness in my heart now. I can't describe it. And I don't like, I I've never felt like I was affected by being adopted. Like I never felt like that was something that was a problem for me. But after coming back to the tribe, it's just, you know, there's a little sadness in what I missed out on. But at the same time, my heart feels 10 times bigger because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I just know I know what's where it comes you from. You know who you are. Yeah. And to see the in, birthplace in, in of my there. mother, to see, you know, the work of my grandfather. My grandfather is actually Roger Deal, and he spent his whole entire life uh, rewriting the Bible into Navajo. So he's very well known in the Pistai area. Um, he has a church there, and that's one of the churches I work with is Native Visions for Christ Ministries, where my cousins are now the pastors of that church in his memory. But um, like every time I go out, I meet more of my extended family because they're very large families. There's like 10 kids or 12 kids. And so I'll probably be like learning more about them for the next 20 years. Thank you again to Fat in the Moon for sponsoring this episode and standing with us in our fight against the pervasive message that something is inherently wrong with us and that we need a product to fix it. From deodorant to makeup to herbal remedies for the most intimate of issues, Fat in the Moon works with plants that are ethically harvested and organically cultivated and combine them in formulations that are radically non-toxic. Each one of their potions is handmade to order by one of their incredible makers and come in reusable, recyclable containers with no superfluous packaging. For 20% off your order with Fat in the Moon, visit fatinthemoon.com and enter the coupon code STYLE. That's fatinthemoon.com and enter the coupon code STYLE for 20% off. I mean, I just feel like I just want to make sure we've completely explored the feeling of an outsider and what the the repercussions, how that, just even the subtlety of what you went through psychologically or alcohol or whatever it is, because... Mm -hmm. 
yeah just yeah and, and I think also with that like it's definitely at that point I needed like uh validation from men I wasn't as secure in my own self um you know I needed the job you know I think like that's when mm-hmm. people ask you well what do you do and you always say your job and blah 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 and it was like that really had nothing to do with who I am but it was what I was creating for the world and I felt the need to do that in my 20s and 30s until I became just more in my my own soul you know Mm -hmm. and you know through being a mom I feel like I found the path and now that I've transitioned into another chapter of my womanhood you know after passing through menopause I just feel like there's this intense clarity about what I need to do in the world um, really who I am and I can see everything so much clearer with people I meet um, jobs you know that I want to be involved with or people I want to support there's so much more clarity now. Mm-hmm. So I, that's part of the beauty of the elder wisdom is like you get through the other side and it's just, I'm savoring every day of it because I've just never had this much fun. I'm mm-hmm. literally like the little naked baby running around chasing butterflies in the middle right now because every day is so much, you know, fun. You get younger and you unlearn and you get, and, and you're, you know, and, and menopause and all of that. You're so emotional um, there's nothing to do, but like express your emotions, like mm-hmm. let your feelings out and like deal with your feelings. Yeah. And, um, you have to just all raw and exposed and like simmer in that for a while and then just like move forward. Right. Yeah. I do feel like a lot of the things that I never faced my whole life, you know, I finally had the bravery to like, just go there. I'm doing that right like, now. Even right now, like I haven't been in a relationship, you know, since gosh, I broke up with the last boyfriend, maybe I don't even know, four years ago. But I don't like, I can't even imagine that that's something I want to do again because the freedom I have right now, um, just living my own life and doing my own path, I almost just don't want to commit to a relationship because I'm just having so much fun on this. I've never never given this to myself. Like, Mm -hmm. I've never allowed myself to be completely free And I definitely have so much love in my life and so many beautiful people that I'm friends and family and uh, people that inspire me so much. But like, I literally just don't feel like I need that part of my life anymore right now. I mean, maybe it'll shift when I slow down a little bit. So, I mean, that's my advice to a lot of women is like, take a break sometimes. Just, Just be free. Just be you. And of course, invite love in. That comes in yeah, all forms. But it has to but, be in the right way. Yeah, but yeah. really get to know yourself because, you know, this is this is a long road that we're on. And the, the sooner you... I wish I'd known the person I am now when I was 20, when I was 30. Right. So For what sure. has been your journey with like love and oh. love lost or whatever you want to call it? I've just always invited love in. It's like I feel... I was never like a traditional thinker mm-hmm. that something needed to be that thing. The one. Because I was constantly moving forward. Mm-hmm. So the beauty of that is things have moved forward and I've had these amazing experiences in my life. But I've also had many love relationships um, and actually taken long breaks from that that allowed me to get to know myself. Mm-hmm. So it's just been an exciting, beautiful, chaotic mess of things. So but I never married or married once. Married yeah. Once. For, with Lily's dad. Okay. Yeah. And that lasted like maybe, I don't know, a year. <laughs> he was, he was like this crazy party boy from Adidas. I mean, a, a, just an amazing creative, but he just wasn't quite ready to, 
you know, be a dad yet. And mm-hmm. I get that. That happens a lot. It's not like mm-hmm. a new story. Um, and I got to be the mom all by myself. So I have no negative feelings about that at all. Mm-hmm. Like he came to my life at the right time in the right place. And we have this beautiful child together. Mm-hmm. And I just totally respect him from a creative standpoint mm-hmm. so, so did yeah. you feel that way all along oh gosh no I mean <laughs> I went through all the drama yeah yeah and then I just kind of came to the point where okay I'm wasting all this energy saying on the things wrong you know with him or why he's not like me blaming yeah and then I thought gosh I chose him so it's on me I chose this guy and I chose to have a child with him for all the beautiful reasons we do of passionate love, thinking this is the most amazing thing. And then it just evolved. And so I can't spend time and energy being negative. Mm-hmm. You know, we can only just celebrate the choices we made. So what, what's been your biggest struggle? The biggest one, I guess, would just be getting, I, it's a repetitive answer, but it's just getting to authentic self mm-hmm. of having the confidence to be who I was meant to be. I just made that conscious choice that I just don't need things to be bigger and bigger and bigger. I want it to be smaller and smaller, smaller. And that's just been letting go of ego. And that is a huge thing as... I'm right in the middle of that right now. Yeah. And being part of that group of women in the 80s that were the, the first round of the really kind of power women in business, I just had to like really do a lot of work to let go. And it's okay for me to be small and not be well-known and to have 6,000 Instagram followers. Well, oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. You're hitting such a nerve and right now. Yeah. It's such, it's, a, it's such a good topic of conversation. It's okay because, you know, I meet the, the most badass people on my travels. We connect. I get to know people. I get to interact with my, my tribe, literally my tribe and my tribe of people that follow me. And it's enough. I really, I'm not going to pay someone to do my social media because you know what my social media is you literally my life it's authentic it's no what one can I do, do it day you. to day so that's it that's me and it's really enough instead of having like everybody's ideas we want like a big house or we want like stuff you know for me I want like little tiny like appetizers of things I want to have like little tiny homes in all the places I want to be because I want to be everywhere. I don't mm-hmm. want to just be one That's place because so it's like, it's a restriction. So make mm-hmm. a list of all the places you love. I completely relate to that too. And build a little thing there. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Wow. We actually stayed in Grandfather's Hogan, which is basically a dirt floor. It's He had carved all the stones from the local rock quarry. And um, it's so simple. I mean, it's just oh, a rock circular dream. home with a dirt floor in the middle of nowhere in the Bistai. And the energy and power I woke up, like every day you, the door's to the east, so you wake up to the sun, and mm. you open it up, and it's just the most insanely beautiful part of the land I've ever seen. And this is the whole area between Canyon de Chez and Chaco Canyon, which is the path of the ancients. So every place I'm sleeping and touching is filled with the DNA of all my ancestors. They're in the ground they're in the ruins, they're in the, the mesas. So all the plants, it's like the basic concept of Mother Earth, Father Sky. It's like everything is there. They are there. They're with me. So of course that's where I'm drawn to. In my 20s, I drove by that highway so many times when I was out there. I didn't know why, but I was literally driving by where my mother was born at least 10 times until I met her. So it's just energetically wow. we know where we're from. 
Where, so, what was wait, that? Uh, yeah, let's hear about yeah. Now I'm ready for yeah, that story. Yeah, so I had gone out. It's actually, we had gone out um, with my half-siblings and actually got to see, it's the foundation of where my mother was born. Um, the actual structure is gone. What led to you being with your your half-siblings and then going to your mother? Like just a little quick, like how did that happen? Yeah, and when? so we had been out before to the res. I'd gone out like maybe when my daughter was seven for the first time my mother had been back to the res since she left when she was probably 19. She doesn't really know how, how old, old she is because they don't have birth certificates. How so old was she when she had you-ish? She thinks she was between 19 and 20, hmm. we think. But again, and we're is not. that why? I mean, I guess they're. She, she was part of the Indian relocation mm-hmm. uh, where they took the native youth in the 60s and they shipped them off to random places in the United States in order to break up the tribes. Mm-hmm. So she was sent to Ohio for a work placement program. And this is a child that had been in a boarding school mm-hmm. in a severely abusive situation in a government boarding school at that point. Um, so she hadn't had any parenting. Mm-hmm. So she got shipped off randomly to Ohio uh, for work and um, got pregnant with me. And she's never really told me the full specifics of all that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure how that happened. But at that age, she certainly couldn't take care of a child by herself. Mm-hmm. So I was put up for adoption and adopted out. At, I think I was three months old when I was mm-hmm. adopted by my, my um, parents. Um, she ended up staying in Ohio and getting remarried and having other children later on. So I didn't meet her and I'd been searching for a long time for her, but, um, I like wasn't your able your parents didn't know where she was either. No, there's just not, it was hard at that point until the internet started really cranking. And then through all that connectivity, I found her, mm-hmm. you know, and was able to reunite with her when I was 30, 30, 34 years old, 35 years old. I think it was around that time. Uh, it's when I had just moved back to the States. How did you find her? Um, it was just through a random connect. Um, I had hired a private investigator and just through, I couldn't get it through the Navajo Tribal Council. They wouldn't let me have the information because I don't have an original birth certificate when I was born. So it was more just a little glitch in the system. Didn't work for me to reunite with her. But I hired a private investigator that then had filed proper papers and found where she was. And we were able to connect just through that time. And that's, again, just through the beauty of the internet. Um, I knew her name, but I just didn't know how to find her. So we reconnected. And I mean, you know, part of it, I, I, I met a woman who I know had a very hard childhood without much love. So it was very, it was beautiful. She felt like a huge weight lifted because she, I'm sure, felt guilty for leaving me. But she saw like how I was brought up and just there was like a peacefulness that comes with that. But I also got to meet a woman that was just very, that struggled because she was just brought up in a very abusive situation as a child and then went on in her life and just constantly struggled with social issues. Like just being able to fit in and be able to function. She just had, um, she just, I feel didn't have that soft ability to love herself because she felt like she wasn't worthy. That's a repetitive feeling I get when I'm on the reservation from that age group is because they were severely abused as children and take away from their family. They feel they're not worthy. So a lot of times they'll do things to self-sabotage, even if there's an opportunity. Um, There's a lot of addiction in that generation that gets passed on as well. So 
I don't know. It was just an amazing thing to meet her. We ended up going back to the reservation at that point, and I thought I was going to meet like maybe 10 family members, but like 100 showed up. So that was our first integration into the birth family. Were you like really like, how were you feeling that day and knowing that that was about to happen? Completely overwhelmed. Yeah. Completely. This is the first time I'd driven off the main highway that I told you I drove so many times Mm -hmm. and actually went on the res 10 miles in. And I was like, there's no electricity. There's an outhouse and there's no water. And how is this possible? I just, I was in (laughs) shock at the situation So the facts and figures of that is one third of the Navajo nation is without water. They're not connected to water. And I would say close, maybe a little bit less, the same situation with electricity. Um, So this is 2019. So that was like my first thing of like, oh my gosh, how is this possible? But still at the same time, just meeting people that were so welcoming to me. Mm -hmm. They didn't know about me. My mother had never told them about me. But they could not have been more welcoming. We had, they had mutton stew. They just, they don't have much money, but they just, they made this beautiful meal for us, Navajo fry bread. And I got to meet all my aunties, uncles, cousins for the first time. Wow. So that was uh, certainly a game changer in the way my mind works. And I started becoming much closer to my birth family and learning more about the history um, we went out again last year as a family and went to the powwow, the Gathering of Nations powwow. You went again with your, your my birth. Uh, I'm sorry, adopted. my birth, my birth family. So it's oh. my half siblings and okay. half brothers and uh, nieces and nephews. So we had gone out to meet some of the older relatives that are um, getting older. So we wanted to find more of our story. So we just traveled all through the Bistai area together, meeting family members. And that's when I actually got much closer to Rhonda and Leroy Benali, who run the church. Mm -hmm. And they asked me for some help. And I was like, hell yeah, what can Mm -hmm. I do? Mm -hmm. And so the first thing they ask is, can you come in December and help us deliver aid to the kids? Mm -hmm. And I was like, hell yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's when we revved it up and got everything going. And that's really what has started this whole shift into just being part of the solution to learn more of the history, which isn't taught in our U.S. history books. Like, do you guys know anything about the long walk? No, because it's not. It's unbelievable. If you heard of Kit Carson, you probably think, oh, yeah, he's that guy. Well, he's also that guy that burned down uh, a majority of all of the food, um, all of the Canyon de Chez, all of the groves of peaches, and then everybody had to march all the way to Fort Sumner, where they were held in an internment camp, and then marched all the way back. So, like, we lost huge amounts of the population during the Long Walk. They don't even make movies about that. Mm. They make movies about other things. But, like, that mm-hmm. was a major mm-hmm. thing that happened to my tribe. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm learning that. I'm, I, I'm shocked every time I go out there. I, I actually went last spring to the Pre- Protecting Mother Earth Conference. I just, I saw that pop up on my, I think it might've even been on my Facebook and actually thought, help, I've got like a free ticket to go up there. And I, I was feeling so confused on what I needed to do after Trump got elected. There was this paralyzation of like, what do I focus on? What do I need to do? And it's like, you wake up and you're just like, you don't know what to do with yourself as a mom. And I thought, I'll go to this thing and I'll listen to my elders because it was elders from all the native tribes of all the N- North America and global were going to be there speaking. 
And so I went there and I just learned all these things about environmental genocide, basically, for lack of a better word, the killing of my peoples through uranium mining, through oil and gas extraction, through fracking. They're not asking, no one's asking for consent. Nobody's asking if it's okay. They're leasing out the land to the highest bidder and with no no compassion for the, the people that live there. And this has been a mm. historical thing. If you look at the last, I mean, really since the treaty was signed in the late 1800s, and you look at everything that's been systematically done to that tribe, my tribe, it's just horrific. What can we do to shift things? Mm-hmm. What's the biggest risk you've ever taken? The biggest risk I'm going to take is just like dropping everything and moving to another state, by, you know, pretty much by myself at 55. I would say that's kind of a little crazy. That's what's next? That's, that's what you, what's next. And When your daughter leaves? Yeah. It's so crazy. Like within it's the a next risk. Year? But like I definitely want to dive in the deep end of the pool, mm-hmm. like big time. Just, just really big splash. Dive in. Why do you want to do that? Because it's time. It's time that I had that braveness. You know, I've been taking things in certain steps my whole life, but I am so ready, you know, at the end of being a full-time mother and taking care of this creature my last 18 years, I'm so ready to just take a really big risk. I may completely fail. I may like really (laughs) be dog paddling for a while, but I'm just ready to just go for it. You know, once she's gone and she's to college and I have the freedom to fail a little bit more and give myself that card, I am going to take more risk. I'm going to do crazy things. I used to do those all the time when I was young, but I'm ready to do that again. What's your biggest fear? Obviously, it's always something's going to happen to my kid. (laughs) It's like a panic I have because she's my only one. So yeah, I have like crazy things that happen in my head because I just want to protect her. But at the same time, I have to kind of slap myself because she has to make all the amazing, crazy, beautiful mistakes that I made in my life to have lived it well. Can you talk a little bit about like um, having had cervical cancer and like what that experience yeah, was like? Yeah, it was actually had pre-cancer. So it was the beginning stages of um, and I definitely was probably going a little too hardcore just with my my schedule and my life and not taking the best care of myself. So I've like learned how to do that now. When when was that? That was probably, I feel like it's three years ago. It might have been four, but three years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I'm so fortunate that like my best friend is this amazing healer. So I went the route of plant science and just started taking, you know, just totally custom-made cannabis meds made for my body and ended up coming out the other side completely cancer-free. So that's something that I still use as a tool for my day-to-day life just to make sure that I stay as healthy as I am, but also just healing this natural aging process where my body's breaking down a little bit. I found that that plant is just a wonderful plant for me to actually rejuvenate my wellness Mm -hmm. and my youthfulness because I do feel like I have like everybody says like we can't keep up with you but that's because I really have this insane amount of energy right now just Mm -hmm. to go just create and be in the world and what so what was exactly going on in your life when that when you found out about that and what was it like to find out about it and yeah I come off the breakup so I just had the breakup and I had... And who, not, not with her father. No, no, no. no. I was just a past relationship. And um, that person, you know, I had, had empowered them to take over part of my finance and my business. Um, and, you know, things just went sideways for a lot of reasons because of just 
me giving that that task to somebody that probably wasn't the best prepared. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I was in that midst of just trying to fix a lot of stuff mm -hmm. and very stressed out about like you know, fight or flight mode and some yeah, definitely. And I think I just ingested too much of that that darkness. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just ended up forgiving myself as well because, like, I made a bad choice and mm -hmm. I, I empowered somebody. I can't blame him because, again, I gave him that task to do and he screwed up and he maybe didn't wasn't as mm -hmm. honest about it. But um, I can only say, like, I just had to let all of that go mm -hmm. and at the same time just take better care of myself. So were you really panicked when you got the, like, pre-cancer yeah, of course. Like, can you talk? That panic of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die before like my daughter graduates high school. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, that was a huge time where I, when I came out, I, I was scared to death, but you know, it was early. So I wasn't at an advanced stage, mm -hmm. but I think anytime you have a health scare like that, that's when everything becomes very crystal clear that there's only a certain amount of time we have here. Mm -hmm. Like stop wasting it. Mm -hmm. Start finding reasons to say yes to the things you really want to do. So, you know, I came out the other side of that, fortunately, thanks to the the connection with my friend and her abilities. But then I thought, I've always wanted to go to Peru. So I went and had a magical experience there. I went to Iceland because WOW Airlines had a ticket for $250. And I'm thinking, I work at home. Why don't I just go? <laughs> So I went to Iceland by myself, um, Arco Santi. I went to a forum festival. So every month I would always make sure that there was something I was doing that was for life, you know, mm -hmm. not just fitting vacations in when it was convenient or when we were supposed to, but like literally every month thinking, hey, maybe this, this thing is something that would enrich me as a human. Do you have any sources of shame? Oh, yes. I think the shame, like definitely whoever that selfish, self-absorbed, asshole person was in like the 19 late 1990s I'm really embarrassed for her I wish I, I could talk to her now mm -hmm. and just like give her some advice what would you, you say I would just say um I think it's the thing where like if I'd known where I was trying to get to with all that was so empty mm -hmm. that it's really looking in it's looking inside like that's where you need to figure it out. It's not from everything outside or exterior or other people. It's like you got to go deep inside, figure shit out. And that might mean taking a huge amount of time by yourself, taking a break from whatever that job is that's making you sick or ill or stressed. Those are hard things to do because all of that's controlled by your ego. Mm -hmm. So like that's the main thing is I wish I could hit myself on the head really hard back then and just say like let go of your ego like it, it's like this is nothing to do with you you're just here on this earth as a vessel to other things like start enjoying that journey mm. so yeah I wish I could talk to her um when do you feel the most vulnerable I mean I feel vulnerable in these conversations because I just feel like I maybe I'm not smart enough maybe what I'm doing's not important enough like I get vulnerable because I do feel like I'm living a, a very solo life sometimes. Um, so yeah, I get nervous about these things and talking about things mm -hmm. and doing things, but I, there's nothing more joyful than to me to talk about like the things I'm passionate about, the things that I've learned. When do you feel the most beautiful? <sighs> 
I feel the most beautiful when I'm literally driving around in my car in the middle of nowhere with the music on really loud and singing really bad. I could be in the dirt. I could be in clothes three days old and so dirty and probably eating beef jerky in the car because that's all there was to buy. But I feel so on fire and so in life at that moment that like, it's just, I feel unstoppable. Mm. And that's the beauty of actually taking those breaks and driving out to places that you've never been. I feel like there's um, this beautiful, it's an, it's called the Navajo Blessing Way poem. It's like, it's all about walking in beauty and beauty is above me, beauty is below me, behind me and forward. It's like, that's the feeling out there is when you're in that expansive nature, it's just like, it's everywhere around me and I'm one. So that's like, that's when I feel kick-ass. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. What does self-acceptance mean to you? Just waking up and like just being okay that it's enough. Like that's the main thing when I tell you. There there doesn't need to be this massive expectation of what mm-hmm. that is. It's literally just being enough mm-hmm. to be in yourself, in your soul, by yourself in the day. And it's mm-hmm. really not feeling that there needs to be all this other things happening to validate that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm feeling mm-hmm. like it's amazing when you have that self-love. It's like you feel, once you discover it, it's like you feel like you could do anything in this world because you, you finally believe it. in yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's, that's really the that's gift. That's really the essence of it all. That's the gift I feel like. Because then anything can be happening around you. I would say like self-acceptance is my superpower at this point Mm. because like that just drives everything forward. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was was so inspiring. Fantastic. Wow. Thank you. That was unbelievable. Oh my gosh. I feel like I just passed my finals. (laughs) Oh my God. No. Can we eat? One last thanks to Fat in the Moon for supporting this episode of What's Underneath. Fat in the Moon sees self-care as a radical act and believes that when we are nourished, we can be our most potent selves, creating the most long-lasting impact. In an increasingly polarized time, we share Fat in the Moon's belief that we can create change by coming together around the radical care and love for our bodies, our children, and our earth. So if you want to get your hands on one of their handmade natural potions made for all bodies, all backgrounds, all ethnicities, all races, and all genders, visit fatinthemoon.com and enter the coupon code STYLE for 20% off. That's fatinthemoon.com and enter the coupon code STYLE for 20% off your order. We hope you are inspired by this episode. Until next week, that's it from me, Elisa. And me, Lily. If you agree that facades separate us and being radically honest brings us together, help spread the movement for radical self-acceptance by sharing this episode, subscribing to our podcast, and joining us on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash style like you to support our work and help us build a world where everyone feels comfortable and safe in their own skin. And if you fall in love with each of our guests as much as we do, you can see them in their full self-expression by subscribing to to our YouTube channel and following us on Instagram and Facebook using the handle at style like you. That's the letter U instead of the word U. And check out our book, True Style is What's Underneath, The Self-Acceptance Revolution on Amazon or at a local bookstore near you. We can't skip ahead to a happy ending or live inside a photoshopped image or an Instagram filter. There is no finding oneself when glossing over the truth. <laughs> <laughs>